What's going on? Welcome in to WFS, the Will Ford Show, episode 163, as we get ready to preview the NBA Finals for 2022. Golden State is back in the finals after an absence for the last couple of seasons. Uh, and we have the Boston Celtics, who haven't been in the NBA Finals uh, since 2010. Uh, and they're led by young star, 24-year-old, maybe 25 years old, Jason Tatum. Uh, he's in his first NBA Finals. Uh, they knocked off the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Then the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the supposed best player in the world right now. And then the Miami Heat in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals, a team that just made it to the Finals a couple of years ago. And so Warriors, Celtics, going to break down that seven-game series, best of seven. Uh, and then some unfortunate news that I'm going to share at the end of the show. You've probably heard of Maybe you haven't heard of it since he's not a very well-known NFL player. Uh, didn't play all that long in the NFL. But someone that I grew up watching and absolutely loved. Uh, and so going to talk about that at the end of the show. But this seven-game series, so straight off the rip here, my prediction is the Warriors winning in six games. Now, I'm going to go through the advantages and disadvantages for both teams in this series because I do think this is actually a pretty good matchup. I think it's a pretty even matchup. I do think this could go seven games, but my gut feeling is Warriors in six, mainly because of that experience that they've had in the last almost decade just being in in these kinds of series and being in the finals but with the Warriors winning in six I do believe then that Steph Curry will win the NBA finals MVP the Bill Russell most valuable player award for the NBA finals and he has yet to win one after winning three championships their first one in 2015 Steph Curry did not get it it was Andre Iguodala then in the two championship wins following Kevin Durant won both of those finals MVPs and deservedly so I'm not saying Steph Curry deserved to win those two MVPs I mean he certainly played well enough to earn them but Kevin Durant was great and so he was also deserving of those MVPs a lot of people could argue you know Steph Curry should have won the first one in 2015 I disagree even though Andre Iguodala didn't have stats that will just absolutely blow you away. It's not about stats. It's about doing things that don't always show up in the stats. And it was the defensive effort against LeBron James. I mean, if you just look at the way LeBron played when guarded by Andre Iguodala compared to by anybody else, I mean, LeBron's numbers suffered drastically. And so when you look at that, Iguodala definitely a deserving recipient of the finals MVP award for Steph Curry to win it in this series. I I think it's likely if they win. And a lot of people may argue that Steph Curry needs an NBA finals MVP to cement his legacy as one of, I would say, I would argue now he's one of the, the 10 greatest players, at least in the modern era, but probably ever 10 or 12 greatest players ever when you and he's not just a shooter but he is the greatest shooter of all time he's a great facilitator great ball handler and underrated on defense wildly underrated 
gets a lot more heat than really that he deserves. Now, is he the defender that Clay Thompson is? No. Is he the defender that Draymond Green is? No. But he does not. It's not that Steph Curry doesn't play defense. So let's just squash that. Without a finals MVP, if his career ended before this finals even started tonight, Steph Curry, I think, is one of the 10 or 12 greatest players of all time. If you add a finals MVP to that, certainly I think the legend grows, but it's not going to be diminished if he doesn't, if they win the finals and he doesn't get a finals MVP. Because I think all of us know that Steph Curry is the most important piece to that team. Just because he doesn't win an award for being the most valuable in, uh, and really, I shouldn't say it's not a most valuable player award. It's a most outstanding player award. That's all these awards are every year, whether it's the league MVP or it's the finals MVP. It's whoever has the most outstanding stats. So let's just clear that up as well. Steph Curry is the most valuable player on the Warriors. He has been for the last decade, decade and a half. We absolutely know that he's the driving force of that team. And so for him to need a finals MVP to validate that, no, he absolutely does not. I think his legacy still stands if he doesn't win one. Now, would it look kind of odd on his resume once his career is done and over? Sure, it would look a little bit odd considering that, you know, he'll have probably three or four championships. If, If his career ended today, three championships a couple of league MVPs. But then you look at a guy like Giannis who has a finals MVP. Guys like Shaq and Kobe, they have league MVPs and finals MVPs. LeBron, league MVPs and finals MVPs. And for Steph Curry to have all of that minus the finals MVP, would it look a little odd? Sure. But to sit here and say that he needs it to validate his resume to validate the career that he's had is absolutely ludicrous because we do know that he is the most valuable player on that team, period. Will the Warriors win the finals? I think yes in six games, could go seven. Will Steph Curry be the finals MVP? I think yes. I I think that is the most likely scenario. I think he is the front runner for the Warriors to win that award. But to sit here and say that he needs it, you're absolutely wrong. Now, for why I think the Warriors will win in six, and really we'll get to the advantages and disadvantages for both of these teams in this this series. As far as points in the paint go, that's not really the Warriors' game. It's it's their three-point shooting is the name of the game for them. They're the team that has really single-handedly changed the way basketball is played. Uh, And... So we know that the edge goes to them when it comes to perimeter shooting. But when it comes to inside the paint, the Celtics have that on lock all day. Uh, The Warriors do not have a single player that averages more than seven points a game in the paint. And the Celtics have three of those guys. So we know that the Celtics are really going to bang down low. They're going to have their way in the paint. They're probably going to out-rebound the Warriors because of that. They just have a much taller, bigger physical presence, especially if a guy like Robert Williams is healthy. The Warriors just don't have the size or the physicality. You know, Draymond Green has the physicality, but he does have the size compared to guys like Robert Williams, Al Horford, 
and and some of these other bigs that the Celtics put out there on the floor. And like I just mentioned, the Warriors, they're the best three-ball team, but they're not only the best three-point shooting team in the league today and that we've ever seen, but it's their movement and fluidity within their offense. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. You know, a I, I, great example, I, I think the Spurs dynasty, the dynasty that kind of, that you know, they won five championships in the span of 15 to 20 years. They always had great ball movement. Their passing was pristine and there was no team that was better in the league uh, as far as moving the ball goes. The Warriors have the shooting and they have that ball movement, but with an extra layer to it. Their movement off the ball is tremendous. I mean, there's just so many screens happening and cutting. And Steph Curry moves far more than any other player does in the league. You know, a lot of people could sit here and say, oh, I could just, I could be just like Steph Curry if I just get to stand behind the three-point line and shoot threes all day. If that's what you think Steph Curry does, then you don't watch basketball because Steph Curry when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he is literally moving around constantly. He is never standing still. Just watch. Just watch tonight here in game one. If he doesn't have the ball, he will constantly be running off screens, backdooring, cutting, trying to get open. And it's and not only is he trying to get open for himself to hit a three, by moving around so much, he's drawing so much attention that it frees other guys up. It'll free up Clay for a corner three. Jordan Poole cuts to the basket and Draymond Green finds him. By Steph Curry moving around so much, not only does it make and create shots for him, it actually makes the, the entire offense incredibly fluent. Everybody gets a piece. Everybody gets their touches when everybody moves like they do. This offense is, it's like a, it's a, a really like if if I can compare this to like middle school, high school basketball, where really all you run traditionally is just a motion offense with backdoor cuts and cross screens, uh, you know, California screens across the paint and everything like that. If I can compare it to that, the Warriors offense is a high intensity ramped up version of that. Because the Warriors are constantly moving around. There is no one not setting a screen. There is no one not cutting to the basket there's not a whole lot of dancing with the basketball if anyone dances a little bit with it it's Steph Curry because he's so good at handling it but everyone else you know that's why we saw Clay score 60 on only nine dribbles now Clay's not a tremendous ball handler anyway but it just shows the type of offense that the Warriors run that Clay doesn't have to dribble a million times to score 60 he can dribble it Less than the amount of fingers a typical person has. 10. Their offense is the greatest that we've ever seen. And that's going to make it very incredibly challenging. I love the the adverbs I use there. Very, inc- very incredibly. Yeah, the, the pairing is magnificent. But it's going to make it difficult for the Celtics to defend. And the Celtics do allow the lowest three-point percentage among all other teams in the NBA. They're the best at defending the three ball, but they're also one of the best, if not the best defensive team, period, whether it's in the paint, on the perimeter, anywhere. 
So really, it's strength on strength, and something's got to give. And personally, and you know, it's been a long time since I played basketball, obviously, and I never, uh, I never played beyond my junior year of high school. But I would much rather keep moving around on offense a ton and a ton and a ton than keep going balls to the wall on defense, because playing defense is so much more tiring. It is so much more tiring. And not only that, it requires much more mental focus because there are guys moving around everywhere. So not only do you have to pay attention to your guy, but you got to make sure that others aren't getting in your way or you, you got to account for others, call out screens. It, there's just so much more that goes on on defense that is much more intense and taxing and tiring. That's why I think the Warriors will eventually break through. Will they get stymied here and there sure but i don't think the celtics can hold on for that long and not allow the warriors to erupt and frankly i just don't think the celtics can keep up with that kind of offense they're a great in the paint scoring team but three beats two 10 out of 10 times now the celtics aren't a terrible three-point shooting team they shoot at about i think they're the 12th best team in the league as far as three-point field goal percentages concerned so they're kind of streaky they're kind of middle of the pack but they're going to need to one-up themselves if they're going to want to keep up with the Golden State Warriors. The other major advantage for the Warriors is their bench scoring. And if you look at the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, the last two games against the Heat, they only play with seven guys. Now, usually your bench gets a little thinner, a little shorter come playoff time as you go deeper in the playoffs it shrinks to probably seven eight nine guys but the Celtics only played seven seven guys the Warriors have the best scoring bench in basketball and that's mostly because of one guy Jordan Poole who is an emerging star Jordan Poole 17 points per game off the bench so not only do you have to account for you know Steph and Clay the third splash brother is subbing in near the end of the first quarter when those guys go take a seat. So the Celtics have to continually have their guard up, and I just don't know if they can hold, like I said, for that long. Eventually, the Warriors will break through, and that's why I have them winning in six games. And one final note on Steph Curry. You know, a lot of people think Steph Curry kind of shrinks in the playoffs, and so that's why the Celtics might actually steal this from him. And that's why he hasn't won finals MVPs in the past. Steph Curry, I don't believe, shrinks. I, has he had a bad game or two? Sure. LeBron's had bad games in the NBA Finals. Case in point, the 2011 NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, every game for him was pretty much bad. But Steph Curry, is he doesn't shrink. If you actually look at his finals averages versus his career averages, he scores more points, pulls down more rebounds. The only thing that's different is his efficiency his field goal percentage and his shooting efficiency just dipped down a little bit the reason for that is because Steph has asked in the playoffs and in the finals to play more minutes and put up more shots against the best team representing the other conference seven games in a row so, of course, your efficiency is going to go down a little bit when you're asked to play a little bit more, you're a little bit more tired, and you have to shoot the ball probably five to six extra times a game. 
it's definitely not a in his head type of deal because if that was the case, his his free throw shooting numbers would go down, and that's not the case. It's simply that he's playing against the 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 other best team in the league, representing the other conference, seven games in a row. He's asked to play longer, more, shoot more, do more, be more, and his efficiency just takes a minor hit because of that. But Steph Curry by no means shrinks in the NBA Finals. All right, to close the show here, just a few minutes. Um, one of my favorite NFL players of all time, uh, Marion Barber, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. He was drafted by the Cowboys, uh, I believe, in the fifth round back in 2005. Uh, and he played for Minnesota in college, made only one Pro Bowl, but his nickname was Marion the Barbarian because he literally played every down. Like it was to win the Super Bowl. I mean, he just he was such an aggressive runner and refused to be tackled. And uh, he has the greatest two-yard run ever. Look it up. Just look up Marion Barber two-yard run. And it's incredible. Um, his lone Pro Bowl season in 2007, he made the Pro Bowl without starting a game at running back for the Cowboys. And he had 975 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. Unbelievable. But he played with the Cowboys until 2010 spent one year with the bears after that finished his career with 4,700 rushing yards, 53 touchdowns on 1100 carries and almost hundred games, 1300 yards receiving and six touchdowns in his career. Marion, the barbarian man, he was an absolute monster underrated player. He was beast mode before beast mode was cool. So take a minute, Look up Marion Barber on YouTube, two-yard run. Look up some of his other highlights, too, because he was honestly really, really good for being not a consistent starting running back. Uh, Now, he did, you know, after his career, after retiring, he was arrested a couple of times uh, in 2014. And then in 2019, he was also uh, taken in for a mental health evaluation. So uh, his personal life really dipped down after his NFL career. He died at the age of 38 and he was found in his apartment and the cause of death right now is unknown. But super sad, man, because he was definitely one of my favorite players, an underrated player. And I mean, to almost rush for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and not even start a a single game in a season. And that was a season where the Cowboys went 13 and three in 2007 Best record in the NFC, unfortunately got bounced in the divisional round by the Giants who ended up winning the Super Bowl and dethroning the the New England Patriots, what would have been an undefeated season. But man, like he was just such a beast, a barbarian, if you will. And uh, sad to see him go, man. Uh, that, that one hurt my soul a little bit when I saw that he had died. But thanks for tuning into the show. Episode 163 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Share this episode with your friends, family, co-workers, this pod with anybody you know on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, check it out. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in episode 164. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. 